0: I was brought up in quite conservative Christian Brethren churches so up here got filled up very, very quickly with watertight doctrine. I don't know, some of you will recognize that as a background. Um, Down here was always struggling to catch up. Um, My heart yearned for the reality of what I understood. Or what I knew, shall we say, understood is maybe too strong a word. And I guess that's the story of my life. My heart is catching up. Um, maybe for you it's the other way around. Your your understanding is catching up. I don't know. And Dave has asked me today to talk about our future hope. And he said, I'm meaning heaven. I'm meaning what comes next. Um, but what comes next comes out of now. Um, We can't compartmentalize it into a box and say, well, we're on earth and we're just lost, saved, well, we're just saved sinners and then all of a sudden we metamorphose into a heavenly being. Um, No, it's not like that. Eternal life, Jesus says, I've come so that they may have life and have it extravagantly now. Um, And I think for those of us who those who really walk with the lord heaven will scarcely be a big transition um i don't know yeah i know people like that i'm not one of them so i've enlisted the help of my my brain is a little bit on the tired side having just had covid so i've enlisted the help of some big hitters one is called paul one is called peter and one is called john And they express it really well. And maybe we'll just meditate on their take, on what takes us from now until then. So let's start. Andrew, just put the first one up. This is where these guys lived. They weren't just writing. It's where they were. It's who they were it was their consciousness what's your consciousness this morning you may be tired you may be carrying something really really hard which fights its way back into your consciousness every minute i know we all go there you're maybe not well this is the real consciousness in which these guys lived and they experienced all those things i don't know i don't know where paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians from? Was it jail? Did he have the flu? Was it nice? Anyhow, this is Paul on the inside. He says because of his great love for us God made us, has made us, perfect tense alive with Christ. He, he actually makes up three verbs here. There's three verbs that only occur in this Because he, together with, they're together with verbs. So, alive with Christ, that's a special verb. And raised us up with him, that's a special verb. And seated us with him. Paul's consciousness is, it only works with him. Who I am now in this cell, maybe, only works because I'm with him. I'm not here, I'm not on a stone floor, I'm raised up. I'm seated, I'm alive with him. And our worship this morning, it got, it got me there. Did it get you there? That I'm with him, that he's with me. That's who I am. That's who he is. This is Paul. And then here's the future bit. So that in the this is what I woke up with. Thursday morning, I was scarcely conscious and the Lord was kind and he just dropped it into my heart and I thought that surely has something to do with Sunday. So that in the ages to come he might show the extravagant riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. That's what I woke with. I went, had to go and look it up. I didn't know where it was. So that in the ages to come he might show us the extravagant riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. That is what heaven is for. It's so that God, out of his love, has the opportunity to show me his extravagant grace in kindness. That is what God has for you. That is what heaven is about. It is not rows of benches with people with hymn books singing the next worship song. It is God showing the kindness of his grace because of his love for me. Let's see what Peter's take is. Um, I've got the gear. There it is. Thanks, Andrew. Peter. I don't know where Peter was when he wrote this. I don't know what was bearing on him. These guys lived terribly hard lives. But when he writes a letter, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has made us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope was in the hymns, wasn't it? That, that wasn't an accident. That, was that was the title of the, of the day. A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance future. Which is imperishable, undefiled and will not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. You who are protected, guarded is the word. garrisoned by the power of God. Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Paul, uh, Peter is living, he's like Paul, he's living in the now. He's living in the dirty, difficult, pressurized world. But he knows that right now he's been born anew. He's a new person on the inside. He's not the old Peter, he's, he's a brand new man. And he knows that God, who loves him, has reserved in heaven for him an inheritance. He's already tasting it. He's already conscious of it. But he knows that it will be fully revealed in the last time. Uh, The Bible says that hope is like an anchor. In my troubled sea... That goes inside the veil. It goes inside where God is, and it holds me, even even though it's stormy. This is hope. It is it is a thing for earth, and it will give way to sight. But right now, we live in this hope. But it's not a I hope. It's an anchor. It's strong, but it goes into heaven. And a reserved inheritance with him. And my inheritance is to know him. The basis of all this for these guys was that they were God's children. Well, what am I pointing at? <laughs> you do, it, Andrew. <clears throat> Here's John. This is John's emphasis when he starts. His letter, uh, not letter, <clears throat> gospel. He emphasizes this reality in which he lives, that he is a child of God. That That's what Jesus has come for. So <clears throat> verse 12 he says, to all who received Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who believe in his name. And they were born, like Peter used the word, not of blood. It wasn't natural. Not of our merely natural choice. I didn't say, I'm going to be born of God. Even the will of any man. It's not up to somebody else. It's not up to a priest. It's not up to anybody. It's, It's up to God. John knew it. He experienced it. And later on, he quotes Jesus and he says, This is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you sent. This reality of being a child of God is our core awareness. It's where we come back to, that's who I am. I'm loved by you, you're my father. Uh, It's what got me over the hump of all my mental gymnastics when I was a student and I didn't know if I really was a proper Christian, etc., although I was the president of the CU, because that's what I did. And I came to a place where I said, you're my father and I'm loved by you and I'm your child and that's it and everything, Lord, you will have to build from there. And he did. Family. Andrew? Okay, that's our family. We have four kids and they've produced eight grandchildren courtesy of their spouses. We had, as soon as you think family, it's something for most of us, something wonderful. Something core and basic. You don't need to think when you're with family. You just are. We had a weekend for our 70th in near the Lake District and a friend rented us their big house. Well, practically gave it to us. Um, and there was a place for each of us. So each of the tiny grandchildren, it was a fab house, um, each of the tiny grandchildren had a bedroom. And it was theirs. And we had a four poster. And there was a place for us, and we just lived there in a haze of happiness for the weekend, except for poor Sprog at the front right, who had got COVID and he actually gave it to the rest of us. (laughs) Um, But he seemed to manage. Um, Family, I'm a child of God. This is who I am. He's my father. That's who he is. Now that's a bigger one, almost, isn't it? It's how God chooses to define himself. Not as the maker of the universe, although he does that. Not as the miracle worker, although he does that. He chooses to be known as our father. Wow. Wow. And so everything in my life must derive from that. I can't step beyond it. As soon as I do, I'm on shaky ground. I'm his child. He is my loving father. This is what's going to carry me through into heaven. And when I get there, I will discover that's exactly the reality. There isn't a next step. Andrew. Uh, this, Jesus, uses, Jesus uses this word, abide, live, continue, dwell, remain, a lot. And when he talks to the disciples in John 14, 15, 16, uh, check it out. Um, it's one Greek word. It's used as a verb or a noun. And I've, I've just picked it up here. In the same way that we, each, we all lived in that house for the weekend, and we all had a place, and it was ours. And they were with me, and I was with them. Jesus, in my Father's house are many rooms. It's abiding places, living places, dwelling places. Same word. If that wasn't so, I would have told you. It's so big that Jesus knows he can't just say it and it's not really true. It's true. And if it's not true, he would have had to tell us. There's a place... I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Ian, put your name in, I am coming again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you also will be. And then further down in the chapter, same word. Jesus said, all who love me, will do what I say, obedience. We do have a part. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home, same word, with each of them. So that's now. That's not then, that's now. And at the beginning, therefore, is that then or now? Well, I think it's both. There is a place With me. Remember God said that to Moses. There is a place with me. It was still to be made properly. But now it's there. It's made. There is a dwelling place for me in the Father's house. Who's in the Father's house? Only his children. There are angels. But in the house, everybody calls him Father. That's who he is. That's who I am. Andrew, I put this one in at the last minute because it's such a such a wow verse. (coughs) It's Paul or whoever wrote Hebrews, which I reckon was Paul because it's so complicated. It has to be Paul. (coughs) This is where we are. It says, "This is past tense. You have come. Perfect tense. You have come." he says, to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem and to myriads of angels and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Everybody is born into this church with the firstborn. Who are enrolled in heaven now and to God the judge of all and the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to sprinkle blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you don't refuse him who's speaking. (laughs) Yeah. I think the writer is so carried away with the power of this that he says, hey, guys, do not ignore this. This is the way it is. This is where we've come. We are not just children who drive cars and do jobs and have problems. We have come to God's church, to the family of the firstborn. Make sure you're there all the time. And if you've never known this, this is a genuine invitation. There there are no special people. This is true. This is eternal. This is the way it is. Uh, You don't read about it in the papers because there is another powerful direction in this world. Powerful. It does not want to know this, but one day, this is the only thing that anybody will know. Andrew. So. (laughs) This is what you've all wanted to hear. What happens next? How do we get there? How does heaven manifest itself for me? And the tricky news is that most Christians will die. Um, I'm hoping I don't. I'd prefer not to. I'd prefer to fly. Um, I think probably most of us are in that category. Like all. <clears throat> but this is way, the way that uh, Paul explains it, but Jesus explains it as well. well. Well I've started with Paul. He says, "Since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, and it talks about a physical returning to the sky, to the clouds in the same way He went. He will bring with him believers who have died. So my mum and dad are with Jesus. My twin brother is with Jesus. And he did deserve to get there first. I mean that in a positive sense. um, Because he was a good man. And they will come with Jesus. And they are coming on a mission to collect their bodies. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. And with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and everybody will not be doing anything else but looking. Everybody, Mr. Putin, will be, if he's still alive, will be shocked. President Xi will be shocked. First, the Christians who've died will rise from their graves. That is serious physics. I could do a lot of damage. (coughs) For one of our exam questions for the Cambridge Entrance paper, which I didn't sit, the the question was, what are the chances of the last molecule of the last breath of Julius Caesar being in your next breath? And they were relatively high. So we are talking serious physics here. Um, Sorry, that's for physicists. The Christians who have died will rise from their graves and then together with them we who are still alive and remain, and Paul wasn't still alive and remain, he, was, he, he will be in the first brigade, will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Um, I would love to be able to see it with my eyes, but maybe I will be reconstituted, maybe I'll be already living in heaven and come back and collect <clears throat> a new body. I don't know. I suppose I don't mind. It's, it's up to you, Lord. It's okay. Although we do have terrific indications that it must be pretty soon. Paul, uh, Peter? Uh, pff, Andrew, even. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus talks about it, doesn't he? Um, um, Matthew 24, Mark 15. There's a whole chapter. They're very, pretty much identical wording. And uh, you, you'll have to read it. Matthew 24. Okay, write it down. <clears throat> Jesus told us to be looking up. Look up. Look up. Be aware. Live live in this reality. It's not unreality, it's the reality. It's not escapism, it's feet on the solid rock, which is much more firm than this ground. This ground is only a collection of um, magnetic fields, do you know that? It doesn't even exist. It looks pretty solid, but it isn't there at all. More physics. Jesus and the disciples say say to him, Lord, when shall these things be? Because he, he's they're in the temple, and Jesus says, This is all going. And the disciples, oh, when's it going to happen? And uh, and what will the sign be? And uh, help, Lord. And he said, Just look up, keep going. And that was a while back. That was two thousand years ago. And the church has looked up. And kept going, and it has made the church. The church that has blossomed is the church that has looked up and kept going. Um, we hear Chinese leading Chinese brothers who say, "Don't pr- when you pray for us, don't pray that everything's going to relax and that Mr. Xi is going to turn into a nice guy and everything will be okay." He said, "Just pray that we look up and stay strong, because that is how." Faith is built. That is how I connect. Really, at the start of every day, because I don't actually have any other options. Um, it's the wisdom of God. In this world, you will have tribulation, says Jesus. But hey, don't worry. I've overcome the world. Oh, that's the heavenly perspective. Um, the the the. The, the, the souls under the altar, which is the fifth seal, say, Lord, how long? And Jesus says, it's okay, until the last of your brothers who will suffer with their lives has been counted. These things are precious to God, how I live in trouble, how I look to him, how I believe in him. It's a surprising choice that God made, but it was the best. I, like, I, like, I quite like numbers. 2,000 years ago, thats in Bible terms, that's two days. Jesus said, tell that fox, Pharaoh, that I'm busy today and tomorrow, and the third day I will be perfected. Okay, so he's actually talking about his ministry. But he's Jesus, he's God. Is he talking about, I'll be busy for the first thousand, and then the next thousand, and we'll see what happens after that. I don't know, I think probably. Um, The early church in the first few centuries believed, check it out, that creation was in six days, and that the world will last 6,000 years. And they said after 6,000 years the Lord will come. Check it out early church fathers. We were, we're at 6,000 and counting now because there were 4,000 before Jesus and 2,000 since. I'm only throwing it out. I'm not going to give you a number talk. Um, but that's, that's been common Bible belief. Andrew. <clears throat> so Jesus enlarges. So I've just taken this out of Matthew 24. He said, You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yeah, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. We're watching World War II in color on five at the moment. And they must have really thought, man, this is it. (sighs) But the end was not yet. Amazing. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. And there are. But all this is only the first of the birth pains, with more to come. And then he addresses the church. You will be arrested, persecuted, killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And this is growing exponentially. Persecution is growing exponentially as the church grows exponentially. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is what's important to God. Look up. Stand. Your anchor is is holding fast In what is true, in the eternal inheritance laid up for me, it's written, it's sure. I think this is, I'll just say, I think this is the great tribulation and that it runs for the whole period of church, but I'll just toss that in, in case you think that way. Um, I don't think there's a specific future event. And therefore, the coming of Jesus can follow at any stage. He could come now. We might not sing the last hymn. Seriously. Next, Andrew. He gives a couple of clues. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. Matthew 24 again. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout... You know that summer is near. Why has he chosen the fig tree? Well, we know that he used the fig tree as an example of Israel when he cursed that fig tree because it didn't bear fruit. And he used that as an extraordinary broadside against unbelieving Israel. So if he is thinking in the same way, is this a picture of Israel? In the same way, when you see all these things, you know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. So I think it's it's commonly held in Bible circles that this is probably a reference to Israel, which returned and was reinstated in 1948, and... Some of us are in the generation, I'm not quite, that saw that. Is this a pointer? I think it probably is. The gospel, it's 75 years this Tuesday. Relax. The gospel will be preached in the whole world and then the end will come. Wow. Praise the Lord for missionaries and... um, Oh, forget their name, but they're, they're, they're translating. Tra- Wickliffe. Wy- yeah, we get a prayer letter from a girl who we were at university with. Top lady in Tanzania. She's done five so far languages <coughs> into the Bible with her team. Will it be, it, are we technically looking for the very last person? Well, that wouldn't be realistic, would it? In that, so many. Millions of people have already died. So it's not as if, if every last person had to have the gospel preached to them. So just think big picture. Yes, the gospel has gone into the whole world. Yeah. Wonderful. Amazing. Some of it even riding on the backs of the British Empire. Wow. Incredible. But... And then the end will come. But nobody knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son Himself. Only the Father knows, so be ready all the time. And the Lord knew it had to be that way. Otherwise, we'd either panic or we'd stop doing anything, like lots of sects do for their last six months of their eschatology, or we'd freeze. And Jesus says, We're not going to tell you the day or the hour. But he's given us hints as to the time frame. And this is how you want to be, says Jesus. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there'll be a reward. And Jesus is saying, love people. Lay down your life for people. He says in John 10, the reason my Father loves me is that I lay my life down. Wow. It counts with God. Care. Give. Share. Despite yourself. Step over yourself. Be a good and faithful servant. Andrew? <clears throat> And John gets a picture in Revelation of the way it's going to be. I don't know if he is seeing it then or future. Um, the church is referred to in Revelation as two metaphors. One metaphor is as a city, and one metaphor is as a loved bride. So we're going back to our original two pictures, aren't we? We're going back to relationship. Jesus and his bride. Father and children. And we're going back to a place that is home. A place where God lives with us. That's what heaven is. It's a relationship. It's home. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And then he beautifully mixes the metaphors. Like a bride beautifully dressed For our husband, you can't imagine it, can you? He's just mixing the two together, and then he separates them. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. He's made his home with us now, but then it will be face to face. He's made me his child now, but then I will be wrapped into such close relationship with him and with you all, that that we probably couldn't take it right now. Wow, heaven, Andrew. Maybe this is all too much. Read, all right, and then um, okay. Read read Revelation 21 and 22. I don't want to fill you up with Bible verses. In fact, raise your right hand and say. I will read Revelation 21 and 22 before I go to bed tonight. (laughs) Seriously, this is a wonderful description, powerful metaphors of the reality. Written in words that we can understand because the reality is much more wonderful. Let's go to the last slide, Andrew. When Paul was sitting in his room or his cell, wherever it was, and he was wondering how to continue writing in Ephesians. We've already looked uh, right at the start, the first slide. He said, look, this is where I'm at. I am on my knees for you. And we do this for each other. We're on our knees for ourselves, for each other. We're part of this family, and God, his name is written on our foreheads, says, says Revelation, metaphorically. His, his ownership is written through our lives. How am I to be now? This is what Paul says. He said, may he grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit on the inside. In your inner man, says A.V. So that Christ may dwell. There's that whole concept again. In me, my Father will love him and we will come and make our home with him. This in this time the word used is a, uh, a settled place. Where I settle. Where I finally end up. Jesus has finally ended up in our hearts. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and then you being rooted and grounded in love. We're coming from the same place as He is. We're motivated by the same love that He is. He He is the source of it. He is the origin of our new lives. And you'll be able to comprehend with all the saints. Wow. The width and length and height and depth. And truly know the love of Christ. And Paul says that's more than just head knowledge. (sighs) This is something which he teaches me on the inside. Slowly, slowly. At a pace I can take. By my choices. By my... Yes, lords, by my obedience. Lord, fit me for heaven. Then you will be filled up with God's own fullness. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we we ask you from the smallness of our hearts, from the restrictions of our humanity, from the weakness of our minds and our bodies often, Lord, but we come to you in obedient faith, Lord, trusting who you are your gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, trusting that by your indwelling spirit, you are with us on the inside. Lord, we pray that as we give ourselves to this reality, which will be ours forever, that you will transform and renew our minds, Lord. Make us think straight, Lord. We pray, Lord, for one another as one another goes through traumas and hardships that they may serve our brothers and sisters to pitch them onto your grace and um, long-suffering and power. Lord, we have folks in our hearts as we pray this, and Lord, Lord, do it for them, we pray. And do it for us too, we pray. Lord, we want to be a, an expression of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, in our patch, in our locality, in our friendship groups, whatever, Lord. We pray for one another. Lord, I pray for anybody today who thinks, gosh, are he talking about? Lord, I pray that by your grace you will convince folk on the inside, like, the, like you have convinced us, Lord. We thank you that our hope goes within the veil where you have entered us, before, entered for us as the firstborn from the dead. Lord. We need that resurrection. So we do. Amen. Thank you.